Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name is Ben Vallis. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. And look, if you are a Celtics fan, you're probably not doing super well. So we're doing another fan therapy pod today where we just let it all out. We've got Joe here, our New Zealand correspondent. Joe, Jalen Brown is out for the season. We lost the play-in tournament, play-in tournament against the Heat. We're almost definitely play-in bound at this point with the Heat clinching at least the sixth seed today. Starting with today, (laughs) is there anything that we learn from this game that we don't already know at this point? Um, Gosh, Ben, I'd love to tell you something different. (laughs) Um, <laughs> Are we beyond that? Well, it depends. It depends. It depends uh, what the subject is, right? You know, did we learn much about this season's version of the Celtics? Um, sadly, I don't think we did. I don't know, Ben. Have you got no. some takeaways, mate? Help me lift me spirits. Look, to be honest, uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I mean, this was just uh, a repeated formula. We've seen it all I season. Know. We saw it just in the most recent game against the Heat, where. And the formula goes both ways, where as a fan, you're going into it. And I feel like I've done this every single game this season. I'm sure most people can relate, going thinking, you know, this is the game. Like, it's a must-win game. I know they're going to turn it around. I know they're going to come out all guns blazing, and I know they're going to win this game. They have to, like, even having lost the last game against the Heat. They've got to split it. They've got to split it. Then we've got the tiebreaker. Then we can avoid the playing tournament. And really, with today, with the loss, it was just the final nail in the coffin. We're all inside it. We're all being buried, Kill Bill style, except we can't one-inch punch our way out of this one. It's over. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, I, I can get some, some takeaways from the game, I guess. I just, I, I don't know if it necessarily matters, big picture. What do you think? I, I keep returning to a theme a little bit, Ben, and, um, and t- at this point, like, like today was the Celtics performing exactly to my sort of rational expectations. Um, and um, it still doesn't negate, right? Like, we've got to keep hoping, you know? Like, um, yeah, you've just got to, I think we've got to find a way to enjoy the rest of the season, right? So, um, you know, without wanting to get too Pollyanna-ish this early into the fan therapy podcast, you know, maybe maybe just put that as a caveat, right? So things are going to get a little dark, I think. <laughs> <laughs> in the next in the next forty five minutes. 
Um, no, it's okay. That's that's what therapy is, right? You, you've got to get out the good. You've got to get out the bad. You don't necessarily walk away from one session, although I feel like this is the fifth one we've done this year. Don't necessarily walk away healed. Sometimes it's just about exercising the demons. And I, I think that's what we're here to do. There, there are, um, yeah, that, that's true. But look, I think we, we, we should... Look, to be honest, even if there aren't reasons to hope, you've still got to hope if you're a fan, you know? Um, but we're, we're both things. We're, we're two things, right? Like, we're the fan that just hopes against hope that everything goes good. And then we're also, we're also the armchair GM, because every fan is an armchair GM, right? Who thinks, mm-hmm. hey, what do we need to do to make this thing better, right? So those are two different, they're just two different things. And, and right now, the... the once again, I feel like I've probably repeated myself. So sorry, sorry, all five listeners. Um, <laughs> Joe's holding a screwdriver right now, by the way. He's brought it to the yeah. therapy session. <laughs> I've got, I've got an entire set of hand tools here. Um, let's see what else is maybe more appropriate. Um, I've got some you pliers. Fix the with them? Maybe I could apply those to the teeth. Um, <laughs> we've got a, we've got a Stanley knife here. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So. Um, Ooh, that could get dark. Um, moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, they're, look, they're, they're, we've got to we've got to do both, right? We've got to walk and chew gum. Um, the good to great. I'll, I'll keep keep telling you this. You know, the, the, if you've ever read Good to Great, there's a story about an American general who was a POW, and I think the World War Two by the, he was a Japanese POW, and his whole thing was, hey, you've got to be realistic about what you face, but you can't ever lose hope. All right, so. Um, having emphasized the need not to lose hope, let's be realistic about what we face for a little while. <laughs> mm, I think that's, that's more than reasonable. But before we get into that bigger picture, future outlook, there are a few takeaways from the game today. Uh, wouldn't be the Celtics Reddit podcast if we didn't get through some fan reactions to the game. So just quickly on today's game, Joe, user Swag and Tail wrote, they had 31 assists in this game, which... You know, I didn't look at the box score after the game, Joe. I just couldn't bear to look at it. That was surprising, given that we were um, at one point of the season through the first, you know, half of the season thereabouts. I think we were 28 yeah. in assists overall. 31 assists today, and they go on to say, I don't think our offense was the problem. 121 points is more than enough. The team defense is just broken. Like that's that's been a theme throughout the year, right? If you had to, if you had to choose one element of the team that's been the biggest failure point, would you agree that the defense has been the biggest problem consistently? Other than COVID, <laughs> um, me personally, I'm a little bit offense centric in how I view the game. So mm-hmm. naturally, I'm going to say no. That said, um, defense is a means of like lowering your variance as a team. I've been thinking a lot about variance this week, and um, and and our defense has been bad, um, and. For the reasons where in the past it hasn't been as good as it might, namely defensive rebounding, but it has just felt like we have lacked force on that end, and and of course it's contributed to it. I, you know, I guess, I mean, defense is hard, man. Like it's hard to understand, you know. Um, and I tend to more pick up on the offensive habits, but yeah, look, I mean, it's that's it's not necessarily the lowest hanging fruit, right? But it's um. If you bring a ladder, right? De- defense is like bringing yourself a ladder to to the game, I suppose. You know. <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean, though. Like when when we're uh, you know we've got a defense defensive possession ongoing, 
I don't necessarily look at our defense. Like, that's not my instinct. My instinct is to watch the other team play offense. Sure. And therefore, you kind of have to force yourself to evaluate the defense. Uh, but statistically, it's it's been an outlier for us. Like, there's there's no denying it. It's been a, a consistent point of failure for mm. the team this season. So, With largely um, the same personnel involved. And, yeah, and it's, that's right? the odd thing. I think I... Um, look, I'm a Marcus Smart apologist. Um but I'm assuming mo. Well, I'm assuming that a good majority of people listen to the Rosillo Simmons podcast. Um, mm-hmm. Just gone where Rosillo like tears strips off Smart. Like he's never liked him. Like I get that, you know that he's 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 never liked him. And some guys, are just games you just don't like. I like Smart's game, but like he kind of went through this play-by-play sequence where he talked about Smart getting over aggressive, compensating it for a compensating for it by you know um being even more overly aggressive and taking bad shots and i thought well maybe he's got a point <laughs> oh wow yeah i was not expecting that from you joe okay well it's it's just more it's probably exposed maybe more of a, a blind spot for me as a as a fan which is um like i have way stronger opinions about what we're doing offensively than what i do than what we're doing defensively but like when someone like lays out the defense I'd give for Smart is that he makes mistakes of aggression, you know, um, and I I love that. But you know he is um, he's the best defensive player on a team that's not playing good defense, right? Like he is a tone yep. setter there, and um, and and yeah, I think it's worth questioning, you know, why we are so bad defensively with the same people from last year. Yeah, it diminishes his role. If you're a defensive-minded leader, supposedly leading the defense, and that defense sucks, then what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious to hear, though, Joe. You said you've got stronger opinions on the offensive side of things. Like now, now's the time. Like let's let's hear it. What are you? Well, okay. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Look, I'm just, it's just time, it's just, you know, everyone's probably, who, who listens to this is probably not going to be surprised to hear me say it. I just don't like Tatum's game. I just don't like mm-hmm. it. It doesn't mean he's not good, right? I just don't like his game. Um, I don't like LeBron's game. Like, I'm just not a fan of his game. And I'm just not a fan of Tatum's style of play. Okay. Um, well, just to add, I'm, I'm glad that you added the LeBron uh, section there because it, it goes to say or qualifies that it doesn't necessarily mean that Tatum is bad, no, just that you're not a fan of his No, game. but Tatum is not as good as LeBron. So, like, like so, so, so we, can, we, can, we can talk about two things here. And I don't like his game, partly for some stylistic reasons and partly for some, um, partly for some flaws. And... Um, Okay, I'm just flipping sick of him not being able to shoot a left-handed layup. Like, <laughs> like I'm sorry, Drew Hanlon, but like w- maybe maybe he should have learned how to jump off his right foot and finish with his left hand. Maybe he should have learned how to do that. Maybe if he did that, he'd actually be a threat driving left. He has to bring the ball back to his right every single time he drives left. Okay? Now, for tonight, for example... Okay, we close it. We were within three with like four minutes left in the in the third quarter. Okay, now mm-hmm. the the trouble with this right is 
when you miss layups all the time or get blocked, right, which happens a lot when he goes left or can't finish properly because he can't go left, okay? Yeah. So so it happened tonight, right? We were down if you look at the if you look at the play by play, it was either it was either the play offensive position directly after I think Kim hits the three, we close closer to three, then I'm pretty sure um pretty sure Robinson hit like a like a really great shot, like off movement, like a real JJ Reddick style shot. We're down six. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Tatum comes through in a lane and he drives and he goes, does his thing where he tried to do that. he did it a lot in his rookie year. He did like the swoopy thing with his right hand. It's BS, man. Like, I'm sorry, but like, this is coaching 101. This is what we teach little kids how to do. Tatum, figure <laughs> it out. Like, figure it out, man. It's it's such a hole in your game. It's bullshit. Like, it's bullshit what's, that he can't do it. What's the swoopy thing with his right hand? Like, help me. He'll extend. Help me he'll jump off his is. left hand and extend with his right arm while he is going to the left hand side of the hoop. Yeah, he got right. away okay. with it a lot in his rookie year. Now everyone is shutting that shit down. Right, like he, the, and, and so if he can't do it, right, what he winds up doing is not getting to the hole. He's yep. literally taking away half the floor. Just it's just like a fundamental thing that just drives me up the wall. Just drives me up the wall. It, 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 yeah. Anyway, so there's that, and then, but more importantly, aside from all of this, this is why I don't like his game. It's a mentality thing, man. The guy is the guy. The only thing he knows what that he can get every time, right, is the sidestep three or the fadeaway or the fadeaway on the baseline. That's the only thing he knows he can get. And newsflash, that's low variance. You want to know why LeBron is a like LeBron's thirty points are better than say I don't know like let me pick a pick a person. Um, LeBron's thirty points are better than Jordan Clarkson's thirty points. How can that be? It's because LeBron comes with the lowest variance on those 30 points, right? What does that mean? It means that you are like never down 20, right? Like how often is a LeBron team actually down 20? Right? You're always within striking distance. Variance matters so much. It is the most under like an underemphasized part of analytics. And and Tatum's pet moves are high variance moves. They just are. And that 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 means that hey Yahoo when he's hitting them, but guess what? If he's not hitting them, we're going nowhere, right? Mm. And you cannot like low variance is just crucial to drive winning from your best player. Anyway, rant so over. It, no, no, that's good stuff. It's part of what you're saying that a higher percentage of Tatum's shots come from a, a desperation standpoint than than most other players at his caliber or above. It's not so, no. I, I don't know if I call it desperation, Ben. Um, Lack of imagination. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think he... Um, the trouble with the way he plays is he can't put pressure on the hoop consistently, right? It's not some, it's not some um, outlier like refs hate him that he doesn't draw fouls. It's because he's just not aggressive with the ball, right? He, 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 the only moves he has are moves that take him away from contact. Okay, he just doesn't put enough pressure on the hoop. Now these are relative terms, right? Because he puts more pressure on the hoop than I don't know, like Semi Ojale. You know, um, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, man, like he's been cast as a number one guy, yeah. And and yeah, and you. frankly, he just doesn't fit the bill. He just doesn't fit the bill as a number one guy. I'm sorry. 
That's that's Shit. that doesn't mean we trade him, right? It just means you gotta accept that reality. He's not that dude. He's he's maybe Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce couldn't be the guy either, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You wouldn't say that Paul Pierce was at times the number one guy when part of that big three, or do you think it was KG all the way through? Well, for a start, I, I probably maybe that was a bad comparison. Like, can you remember much about Paul Pierce's free throw rate, um, Ben? No, it was very, <laughs> really. very good. Not at this point. It was very, very good. Right, and um, free throws. Once again, I'm just going to come like low variance will be my like <laughs> will be my like verbal tick throughout this podcast. I think. Free throws are a super low variance right way to, to get points. It's why it's why it's probably why even though I hate Harden, probably why it's probably why the Rockets are so good even though they're around him. You know, even though I sure. hate Harden's game. Like so, this isn't like not, this isn't all like this isn't all stylistic hate, right? Um, it's 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 partly an effectiveness thing, right? Like Tatum is just yeah. not he's just not effective enough to drive winning. He's just not. But a, a week ago, before the shit really hit the fan, I feel like as a fan base and you know even reporters and people who are uh, supposed to be uh, objectively looking at the team, we're all celebrating the the notion that Tatum was getting to the line at a higher rate. He was taking it to the hoop and driving at a higher rate and even finishing at a higher rate and addressing a lot of these points that you are you know rightfully raising, Joe, because it, it hasn't been consistent. There's certainly been a promising, if not major, uptick in a lot of those facets of his game, sort of in the back end of the season. Like we have seen him do much better in those facets of the game. The left-handed finishing is absolutely a problem. It's something that pure sweat, Drew Hanlon. They need to add that stuff to their program, <laughs> like yesterday. But I mean, he has been improving in a lot of those areas that you that mentioned there, Joe. I feel like I have to call that out. Do you, you obviously don't agree with that, bro? Like. Did we need these last three games? Yes, that's that's the problem. It's not consistent, and I don't know if we'll ever understand why he can't play like he did in you know certain games. Like not even that that recent stretch you know, where we had the sixty point game and the you know fifty three point game or whatever. But the, you know, pretty much ever any game that he's ever played against the Clippers, he's always played that way with this certain aggression. You can see it like it's almost in his eyes, and he he does take it to the hoop aggressively, and he does you know, exhibit the ability to do that. It's just, for whatever reason, doesn't happen every night. Is that, like, who he is? Is that what we, we should expect for the next few years? Or is that something that he can address along with the, the left hand and finishing in an off-season or two? Ben, we need to embrace the darkness for a second, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, what if he doesn't? Like, you know? Like, because, like, you know, what if he doesn't, man? Okay? Why, why wouldn't he? Why, would, why wouldn't he? Why hasn't he? Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's like a great rebuttal. It's a great rebuttal. I don't know. <laughs> like what I'm getting at is like I'm I'm forever bounced back and forth. Who is he, right? Like even if I don't mm-hmm. love how he plays, if he's effective, right? And like I'm still cheering for him, right? Like if he's on our team, yay! When the three goes in, I'm excited too, just like everybody else, right? I'm mm-hmm. I'm putting my analytical hat here on, right? And it probably sounds like I'm a bit more emotional than that. <laughs> Maybe. Um okay, but he, when the pressure's on, what does he revert to? When we need a point. Side step threes. Ben is drinking like maybe it's Midori, 
Maybe it's like no. green fencer. I don't know what you have over there. <laughs> uh, quick, quick sidebar. Obviously, went to the Hunter Valley recently. Went on a wine tour. The last place they took us to was this uh, like fermented spirits place, and we'd already had a lot of wine at that point, and we bought some of their lime infused vodka. Uh, and so that's what this is, and some soda water. It's actually very uh, low in calories and, and healthy for one who's drinking anything. It's, but it looks it looks very silly. It's, <laughs> it's 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 high in fiber and it's low in fat. <laughs> it's high in alcohol, and it's the therapy session, and that's that's what I need. So anyway, I digress. <laughs> no, what, look, if Tatum's not a number, like like I I jump into conclusions, of course. But no, this is my conclusion for now. I just don't think he's a real number one guy. And that means that, I don't think that means you just trade him because he's not the number one guy or anything like that. But it means you've got to build your team accordingly. I also think personality-wise, dude's just a little passive. I just don't know that he's like, like he's competitive. Like he made it to the NBA. There's lots of 6'8 guys out there that don't make it to the NBA and don't be good. But, like, is he Jimmy Butler competitive? He just has those flashes in, in those same games that I was referring to. It's like he has multiple personalities or something because he he does come out with that flavor occasionally where he's, like, screaming after the N1 compared to other games where he's screaming at the ref after not getting an N1. He, he does have... I would say 25% of the games this year where he comes out looking competitive and like a boss and, and you know, like with some true grit. And um, unfortunately, you need to do that like 75% of the time, if not 100, not not 25% of the time. But he does exhibit that. And that's what makes it so difficult to digest. Man, anyone can do anything some of the time, right? <laughs> like- Let's ask my wife. Sorry. <laughs> but but you know what I mean? Like I can go out there and I can hit a three pointer in an NBA game. It's not gonna happen very frequently, but you know what I mean? Like you are what you do, right? Yeah. And um I just I think Yes, you're right. Look You are right. Look <laughs> Yeah. Look, I'm I'm leaning into my Tatum pessimism, right? But um I just think he's miscast in this role. And um, there's a, I just, like, for me, it comes down to what can, what does this guy go to when the going gets tough? What he goes to is he goes to the sidestep three. And that is just not an aggressive way to play. Like, would you agree that that's, like, would you agree that that's an unaggressive move? Yeah. It's uh, it's fun when it goes in, but um, you know, it's like if you could choose between going out and hunting like a bear and bringing home enough food for the village and feed the village, or if you just like had a cookie jar with a couple of cookies left in it, and you were like, ah, can't be bothered with the hunting. I don't want to feed the whole team. Sorry, the whole village. I'm just gonna have one of my cookies and go to sleep. So the side step three is like it's reaching into that cookie jar. It's the easy option. It's not. It's not feeding the team. It's not carrying the team. It's not willing the team to victory. So um, it yeah, creates no pressure. Joke. It creates no pressure on the on the defense. Yeah, and Brad Stevens is always harping on about pressure on both sides of the ball, defensively and offense, offensively, putting pressure on the rim. And uh, we just haven't seen it consistently. It's been a problem on the Tatum thing. By the way, this is from a user Toilet Water Twenty Three, who <laughs> writes, "Ready for the downvotes from Tatum fans." 
Tatum showed no heart or effort through the first three quarters on anything other than scoring, referring to the game today. Passing, how many dumb lazy passes did he throw at the top of the key after holding the ball for five seconds? Defense, was getting beat backdoor early, chose not to run back on defense, and didn't chase guys around screens. The stats do not tell the whole story here for Tatum. With Brown out, Tatum should be in the mindset to step up and lead, if not by words, then by action. He did neither. Body language was terrible for three quarters, just like this team this year. He decides to pick it up in the fourth once we're down by 20. It's ridiculous in the most important game of the year for our number one guy to come out and play the way he did. Just does not indicate a good rest of the season. So yeah, bloody like it's kind here. Yeah. Summing up everything. What do you, you, said, what do you actually look, Ben? I, mean, I know you're kind of providing a counterpoint here, but like, what do you actually think Tatum is? Like, because because if he is, if he's Kawhi Leonard, or if he's Kevin Durant, that's one thing. If he's mm-hmm. actually just Paul George, which is a really good player, right? That's another thing entirely. Who is he? I think that the future has not been written yet, and on any given day, you wake up and that that ceiling has become higher or it's lowered. And certainly, with how the season has gone, it's easier to say he's more of a Paul George than a Kawhi. I think it's okay to say that it's too early to really identify him or categorize him as one or the other, but he's certainly... for me, or at least for my ex- expectations, floating between the Paul George and the Kawhi tiers, uh, which is concerning because we've signed him to a max contract. He's signed for five years. Um, and if you look at all of the championship winning teams over the past, like almost forever, they each possess one of what you have referred to, Joe, as uh, a world bending. Correct me if I've got that wrong. Reality a world bending. bending. Reality, reality bending. bending. Yeah. Reality bending player. And as far as reality bending players go, I think Kawhi is maybe even at the bottom end of that tier. And my concern is that Kawhi is Tatum's absolute ceiling. And so even if he's as good as I think he could possibly be, my worry is that that's not even enough to get the Celtics home, win them a championship. Um, and that is worrying based on where our roster is, where our cap situation is, uh, and the fact that we've kind of gone through the last five years or so, and if Tatum is the one true hit that we've made with all of those assets that have come and since gone, then I don't know, man. I don't know. This right. Is, this, that, and that's the end of my, my comment. It's, I, I, it's an open-ended. I have no idea so I f- where this is I going. I feel like you started by saying, hey, look, I don't know. We need time to figure it out. And then you kind of, by the end, you're sort of like, well, I guess, you know, like the rebuild's over. So we've got to now actually construct a team, right, in accordance with what we have. And we've got to, you know, take the best possible course of action, right, the next best step. Mm-hmm. And, sure. um, and, you know, you have to kind of make an assessment, right? Like, you, you don't know, but you've, you've got to make a guess now because in a year's time or two years' time, right, you run out of options. Well, I'll just give an example, though. Like, if we thought, say, Tatum was uh, Kevin Durant or someone of that, you know, that sort of stature of player, it would make no sense for us to trade him for, say, the number three pick in the 2018 draft, who was <laughs> Luka Doncic. Now, sure. I promise you, if we had called up the Atlanta Hawks and offered them Jason Tatum for the number three pick, we would have got it. 
They might have even sure? given us some stuff. Do you remember how hot Jason Tatum was after the 20, 2018 playoffs? Yeah, after the booming. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, I still wouldn't trade Jason Tatum for Trey Young, you know. <laughs> but after the booming, that's right. You know, he's so good. He's so good. He's so good. All that sort of stuff, right? Brian Windhorst was, Windhorst was, Windhorst, Windhorst, I'm confused now, was gassing him up, right? Okay, so if you could rewind the clock, right, and you go back and you would make that offer, would the Celtics be better off right now? With Doncic instead yeah. of Tatum? like I'm just, I'm, I'm just yeah. creating a hypothetical, yes. right? So right now, there are opportunities that are available to us. We don't even know what, we don't even, as fans, necessarily know what they are, right? But there are moves that you can make if you make a correct assessment about Tatum's stature as a player, right? You might trade him for Cade Cunningham. You might trade him for something else. You might say, you know what? We need a different type of player around him. So we trade Jalen Brown for Ben Simmons or mm-hmm. something like that, you know? Um any any number of things, but like that's kind of contingent on what you think he is. Do, do, like, I'm am I making feel, sense? I'm starting to feel dirty. Like I've I've wandered sorry. off, you know, sorry, into the the red light district or something. I like somewhere where I shouldn't be. Um, this is fan therapy, I, Ben. But yeah, I mean, but partially because I I buy a, a little bit of what you're saying. Like just just to backpedal a little bit. Like this has been a weird season. And I think a lot of rational people would respond, not that that take isn't rational at all, because it is, and I think it's well thought out, but a lot of people would respond saying it would be wrong to have any major takeaways from this season based on the circumstances. And <laughs> Those people like, may or may not be named Larry. Like, I, don't- <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw, I, I can't remember, I might have been King of Pants or another, another very common, you know, um, notable Reddit user. But, you know, like as far as COVID, that, that has been a huge factor this season. And the response to that has been like, well, you know, um, why hasn't it affected other teams so badly? And to that, I think like different people are affected differently by COVID. We know this, right? Two different young, healthy adults could get COVID. One of them could end up in hospital. One of them could be completely asymptomatic. Different teams that comprised of different people and so i think it's therefore okay to then if not fully then partially blame covid for for this shitty season so our team is comprised of different players from other teams it's completely reasonable to accept that yeah we were more shittily affected by covid than other teams like it's not a level playing field it's i think that's an acceptable takeaway covid wrote off this season we didn't see the sort of hopeful the, the progression from Tatum that we were hoping for I think we certainly saw it from Jalen Brown um and it's okay to sort of just take stock and move on and 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 not give up on Tatum yet I'm not suggesting we actually give up on him as a member of our team what I'm saying is that you've got to build your roster around your you know how you conceive of him as a player and that that may that may involve moving him and most likely not, but you've still got to make your your you've still got to plan accordingly. And uh, the final thing, just on the like, the, is the season representative? It's very representative of a team that underperforms relative to expectations game to game. Yeah. Okay. Right. So That's so fair. yes, would we have won more games without COVID? Oh, of course we would have. Would we have been just as disappointing? 
yeah, we would have been just as disappointing, right? We would have won some games like by a little bit that we shouldn't have been, you know, like we might have completed a few of those comebacks, right? That we we might have been only gotten down 12 when we got down, you know, 21 on occasions, right? All that sort of stuff. But when push comes to shove, man, how do you, like, do you, like, are you satisfied that this team has performed up to expectations for this year? Like, game to game? No, not at all. Right. I mean, based on where we ended last season, of course not. But just, no. so, so COVID could account for the game to game thing, right? Like, if you have a guy out with COVID, you might adjust, you might, like, for example, when we played Philly immediately after Tatum got COVID, right? I wasn't disappointed with those two losses. I was okay with that. Mm-hmm. It's when we like yeah. have this week and the, the stretch before we were in like Chicago, I think Charlotte, OKC, right? Yeah. The Brooklyn, it's like get down 20. Like we, you know, and, and that's, that is representative, right? Like how you go against the spread, if you know, the spread in air quotes, is indicative of who you are, you know? I think one of the, yeah, I, I agree with you, Joe. One of the key differences with our team compared to teams that maybe did, perf- like successful teams, so teams well above 500 that did perform according to expectations, is that our two best players are 23 and 24 years old. And in a weird way, because of their tenure and their playoff experience, we consider them veterans. And then we've built around them largely with even younger players. You know, two of the more notable ones are even rookies, in fact, and, and sophomores. I, you know, I don't know if maybe that that goes to say that my expectations were, um, you know, way off to to begin the season. But like looking back now through our lack of success, like, do you think that that is sort of a recipe for disaster and for a recipe for a team to perform well under expectations, given the youth and the you know that our veteran presence presence was Jeff Teague and and Tristan Thompson. That's right. He like, used to play for us. Oh, he smoked. Okay, does experience matter or does age matter? I definitely both. I can say that as someone who is older than I was once. And age definitely matters just in terms of how you navigate through certain challenges in life. No matter your experience with a particular thing, you're, you're, for me personally, at least in my experience, uh, age has enabled me to deal with, you know, menial challenges, regular challenges in a much more efficient way why so i think age why is that well the easy response is because with age comes experience yes of it's a very easy response it is a bloody gotcha <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't think it's a gotcha i think that your mind and your brain like you know uh, biologically grows and changes and and you you change inherently as a person beyond 25 which is when they say your your brain supposedly stops growing at least that's been my experience so I think age is a factor. And it's certainly, you know, from a um, a mentor standpoint, you know, if you're, I think in this case for this particular team and the expectations we have on our star players, our 24 and 23-year-old star players, I think, and maybe they attempted this with bringing Evan Turner on board, but I think they need more wisdom in their ears. And I think, like, there's an age element to that, not just an experience element. Tell me why I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> I think every year of experience is a data point and um we now have you know in the case of tatum this is year number shivers is it four it is four years it's the fourth year Mm -hmm. we are yep so 
we've got this, these data points, right? They add up. And at the, at the start, we don't have a data point, right? Like, it's very hard to project, okay? We now have four data points, okay? It's getting a little easier to project, right, where it's going to end up. And, you, and, and this is where, like, I don't like those age comparisons because we know what he's like in the NBA. Like, he is a 25-a-game scorer. He has been for two years, effectively, right? Yeah. And what is that? What is Tatum's version of twenty-five a game add up to? Like, what does it look like for your team when Tatum is the guy and he's scoring twenty-five a game? Um, but we've just seen it. Sorry, we've just seen it, right? And it it doesn't translate, right? It just doesn't translate in the same way that LeBron's twenty-five a game translates. Now, and you know, that's I'm not expecting him to be LeBron, like. Tatum is a success. Like, even though I just like, even though I absolutely meant what I said before, Tatum is a success as a draft pick. Massive success. It's very hard to find people that good. Very hard to find Paul George's. But guess what? If Paul George is the dude, if Paul George is the dude, Ben, what's happening to your team, man? Playoff P is uh, losing in the playoffs. <laughs> playoff T. You playoff Tatum. Playoff P your pants, bro. You know. <laughs> Like, and, and, and so as a, as a, as a, as armchair GMs, <laughs> we need to be, we need to be doing our duty and equipping the Celtics to work around this. Like, what kind of a player do we need around Tatum to unlock him? Okay. Great, great point. That was my next question for you, Joe. So no, you, you I asked the question. Yeah. You got to answer. You're, uh, you're asking me. Okay. I, uh, I think that we have a, a positional need at the five, which, at times this season, and there's definitely a, a correlation. I don't have the stats, unfortunately. Uh, the, so those good Tatum games I mentioned, I'd be curious to see how many of them included Rob Williams playing, say, 22 or more minutes or even starting, because certainly we know Rob Williams starting, he, you know, our record was something like 10 and 2. So that's that's good. I, I think that we have a positional need at the five because I think that that is something that Tatum can play off of. We saw it from time to time with the tie seal yeah, that really yeah, opened yeah. up yeah, yeah. Tatum's ability to get to the rim. Uh, <laughs> Tristan Thompson just doesn't have that um, because of Rob Williams' ability to, and he, he did exhibit the ability to seal in, in a Tice-like manner at, at times, but also his ability to open up the floor and the lane as a lob threat and his ability to move the ball. Um, that's, that's a huge positional need that Tatum really benefits from. So that's, that's the first thing I'd be looking at. Uh, on top of that, I think we need like a mature playmaking guard. Um, some might say that Smart is that um, after this season, I wouldn't necessarily say that he's a mature playmaking guard in that he often jacks up immature-minded shots. Kemba is a score-first guard. Uh, he's a defensive zero. And as much as I like Kemba's game in a vacuum, I don't think it complements Tatum at all. So I think there's another need there. So a five- and a one, and then I think you're probably okay with Fournier and JB on the court with him already. If we can, if we can fill those holes at the one and five. So, I, what do you think about I, that? I Joe? think, I think as much as anything, we need somebody else whose whose personality the team can be formed by. Hmm, interesting. Okay. So, so for example, if you were to say Joe, um, straight up, we're offering you with a Toronto Raptors, we're offering you straight up Kimber Walker for Kyle Lowry. Oh my gosh! I would jump on that so fast. 
Yeah, completely. Yes. Right. And he's a little old, right? But, you know, this is an example of like how we don't think laterally enough, right? Like I've said this before, but imagine if, right, we'd had the vision to go out and get Chris Paul at the point in time when you would have got stuff to take him on, you know? Yeah. We would be, we would be so much better. Like Tatum, to me, if Tatum was playing off Chris Paul far out, he would be looking great. Oh my gosh, he would be looking great. 2021 free agent, Chris Paul, yeah. by the way. <laughs> Not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think it, to Chris Paul is an example of somebody who the team, you know, the, the, for better or for worse, right, the team takes on his personality. Um and um, is good enough. Like, unfortunately, Smart's just not, like, I love him. He's my favorite player. Probably always will be my favorite player from this era, but um, he's not enough of a difference maker offensively to for the team to take on his personality. It, it, and it matters. It does. Like, I can't, I can't pretend that's not the case. Yeah, and to use your you know, your method from earlier. There's enough smart data points from through totally. the years now and enough different rosters that he's played with that he's great, he's useful at times, but he's not necessarily... I was going to say he's not necessarily a winning ingredient, but I think he could be a winning ingredient and that's where he holds his the most value as a potential trade piece, which I want to get to shortly. But um, he's just not it for us, it seems, especially if, like you're saying, Joe, if we're looking to build around Tatum, smart is... Apparently not a complimentary piece. He he's a six. He is a six man. Like he's not he's not a starter. He just doesn't he just doesn't bring enough offensively. And and um he's he's great. He'd be a finisher on almost any team. But he really was optimized as a six man. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Moving on, uh, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about Tatum and the future of the team. Uh, you know, throughout the the off season, which may. <laughs> May start soon for the Celtics. <laughs> um, the Jalen Brown injury. So Sham Sharania tweeted recently, the Celtics say, all-star Jalen Brown has been diagnosed with a torn ligament in his left wrist and is out for the remainder of the season. Joe, is this a where were you when you heard the news level event? Um, uh, or did you just shrug it off when you heard it, I guess? I can't remember where I was when I heard the news. Um, okay. so, so, um, no. so where were you? <laughs> Uh, sitting on my couch, just, uh, <laughs> hanging out. I think I might've been waiting for the Celtics game to start. Uh, I can't remember. Was to be it honest. I was sitting on my couch, but I'm often sitting on my couch. Yeah. Um, but weirdly it provided me with just a wave of relief because yes, it was disappointing for about five seconds, but then just like relief and a sudden acceptance that <laughs> the season's over. Like it's definitely over now. And our expectations are lowered, a la 2018. Yeah, yeah. stages and, of know, grief. We did that podcast yeah. once, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Might have been our first fan therapy pod. <laughs> but, like, it's, it's, it's over. Like, it, it's yeah, definitely yeah. already over, but now it's really fucking over. And it's, that's kind of fine to just, like, now we can all collectively accept that, no matter where you were with your expectations for the team. Like, and that's kind of nice. And, you know, like, I'm kind of looking forward to the playoffs. Some okay. teams that I'm excited about. It's, uh, I, f- I feel freed. <laughs> yeah, your Nicolas Cage uh, gif. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Con Air. Yeah. <laughs> Stepping out of the plane. Um, okay, but what does that say about what's left? Okay, let's think about who we've got left. We've got, um, we've got Tatum. 
who's still playing. We've got Kimber Walker, who's scored 30 in the last three games. We've got Fournier, yep. who's playing really, really good. We've still got Smart. Totally. That's not like... I hate it when people... People always pretend like teams don't have depth when they when like their ninth man isn't like an all-star. The Celtics have as much depth as anybody, right? I still... I, you know, I still feel like you just kind of have to use this as a referendum on Tatum's ability to drive winning. Um, and and that's one thing. But if he is that guy, this is the, the flip side, right? Let's just say I'm wrong about Tatum, right? Then you still have reason to hope. I hope that you are wrong about Tatum so that I do have reason to hope. There you go, Ben. Absolutely. There you go, Ben. Get back in the plane, Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> John Cusack's here to put you back in your cage. <laughs> I don't remember the plot to uh, to Con Air, by the it's way, a, so I have no idea a, if that analogy is accurate. It's a full of cons from memory. <laughs> yeah, in the air. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so on Tatum, there. So first of all, first of all, if you're interested in like the the technicalities of the of the Jalen Brown injury, it's a torn scapful scapulonate ligament. I definitely didn't say that right. In his left wrist, the recovery time from the surgery is anywhere between three to six months. It's the same injury that got Romeo Langford, who was very much out for six months. So, uh, and apparently, this was reported by Chris Genham, uh, Grenham, rather, and posted to the sub by Horseshoe Overlook. Tweeted this quote from, from J- Jason Tatum. Obviously tough losing JB. I talked to him before. He called me and told me what was going on. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Um, he said Brown was weighing his options when he was called and Tatum was supportive of him getting his surgery right away to do what was best for long term. <laughs> Tatum uh, was quoted as saying, from the beginning, I told him I'm always supportive of people doing what's best for them and taking care of himself and his body first, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, we need him and we'd love to have him, but we know that health comes first. Uh, Tatum, writing off the season with that call to Jalen Brown. Joe, or sure sounds like it, don't it? <laughs> it's all part of his flawed personality. Are we, are we getting to something here? Maybe. Like, I, I, know, I know you're just being facetious, and I'm not trying to. Like, I'm not really having a go here, but like, maybe. I, I, you know, I, man. Oh, you'll be sick of me talking about this. But Gordon Hayward voted with his feet, and honestly, Gordon Hayward was right in my view. The Celtics are yeah. not materially closer to competing than the Charlotte Hornets are. That's where we are. Yeah, I mean, that's a, a rabbit hole that, you know, this is a therapy session where we're supposed to not necessarily, like I said, walk away feeling better, but at least <laughs> embark on the road to recovery, Joe. All right, do, do, and- do, you want, do you want me to, do want me to just, just take myself out of the darkness now? Have you had no, enough? like... I don't want you to fake it. Like, I, no, you know, no, I'm I not faking it. There's a duality here. There's a duality. Okay. What's the other side of this? Well, the other side of it is, is, is kind of a lot of, it's the same things I said before, but just with a different tone, right? Like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like it's really hard to find a Paul George type. Like, there's yeah. less than 15 of them in the league at any one time. And we've definitely got one of them. And maybe two, right? Um... That's not nothing, but it's still not necessarily enough. And like, it's no, it's actually not, it's not the slight that it sounds like Anthony Davis can't drive winning, right? Like he can't, he doesn't. We saw it in New Orleans. He had Drew freaking Holiday on that team, man, you know, and they couldn't really compete at the highest, highest level. 
right? Like it's not, it's it's not, it's it doesn't mean that. An- but hell, would you like Anthony Davis on your team? Yeah, sure would. You know, sure. Um, so it means that if the Celtics can find the right pieces around them, then hey, there's a chance for something to happen. But the the downside is, look, we're at the end of the rebuild cycle. The cupboard's bare. You know, um, who's the next piece? And and I just, I just don't think we're close enough, right? This is like I was initially super pro the Fournier trade. Flip. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going negative again. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. So this is a safe space. Okay. Here. Look, here's, here's a reason to hope. Um, I think Fournier is worth re-signing. Um, I even though I don't think we're close enough as a team, I think we need Fournier because if we're ever going to do anything, we need some salary, and we've got those bird rights, and we can bring them back, and um, he'll make our team better in the short term. I'm worried that the ownership group will size up our prospects for for the future and say, you know what, not close enough to justify the tax bill. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's 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 a you know mm, stink one, but. Um, so we've got two guys that are really hard to get, right? And we're still probably, like, if the team comes back as currently constituted, they're probably still going to make the playoffs next year. Like, I'd be really surprised if they didn't make the playoffs next, in the next year. It might even be, like, they might even be, like, a 51 team. And guess what? Like, that's way better than two-thirds of the league. You know, that's still that's still a season to enjoy, you know? Yeah, I'm super high on Fournier. I think he, he brings a lot and obviously wasn't very familiar with his game in Orlando, not having watched a lot of Orlando <laughs> Magic games recently. But he, I was surprised at how proficient he is at actually getting to the rim and, and sort of penetrating that first line of defense and then, like, you know, with a strong take to the rim or, or making the right pass. I didn't expect that from him. For some reason, I sort of just expected him as a... I don't know, I guess an overpaid spot-up shooter, but he's he's way more than that. And I think at the very least, like you said, Joe, he's a valuable asset to have for for future moves. Totally. So it's definitely a win-win, whether he plays long-term or whether he's traded. I think it's a win-win to use those bird rights to um, to sign him up long-term. Um, sort of moving on to, I guess, more like sort of future prospects for the Celtics. So this is a post by user ChrisMatic13. The Celtics will have to trade the players you don't want them to. And they go on to say, now, I'm not campaigning for Time Lord and Marcus Smart to be traded this offseason, but this post is to make a larger point. There are those that think this team needs to make a trade and add a significant piece. They're not trading either of the Jays. I agree with this, but how can you land another complimentary piece by refusing to trade Rob Williams and or Marcus Smart? The signals, this signals a bigger problem with the fan base where you guys have an over-attachment to players. I'm sorry, but... No one is trading a key starter for Grant Williams, Shemi Ojale, and a second-round draft pick. You need to give up great players in order to land them. We don't have that many great prospects. So we, we've kind of hovered around you know, this point, this segment, throughout the whole podcast so far, Joe. But looking ahead this offseason, you know, Marcus Smart's contract, Evan Fournier's contract, very tradable chunks of salary. Is there a move you have in mind or a series of moves you have in mind that... And again, going back to building around Jason Tatum, is it something that you think they're going to pull the trigger on this offseason to do that? Um, I think that guy's exactly right. And I think we have said as much on, on the pod, which is, um, you know, like 
people only want the good guys on your team. That's who they trade for. Um, yeah, and and he's exactly right that though that even our best guys don't add up to that much of a package, right? So, um, do I have a guy in mind? I've always been a little intrigued. If you're really going to shake things up, I've always been intrigued with a Ben with a Jalen Brown Ben Simmons swap. Um, always been intrigued with that, and I think if Philly, like, say they're out in Wow, it's pretty hard to imagine them being out on anything short of the conference finals. Because who's four? Four is gonna the four five is probably gonna be what New York, Atlanta, right? Yep. Uh, Flip. I'd love to see Miami Philly though. I'd love to see Miami Philly. Um, I, it could happen. Yeah, yeah. Let's say let's say they're out in the second round, right? They're gonna be looking to mix things up. Um. So that that's one prospect. I think Simmons is very, very flawed, but he is a difference-making player. He really is, man. Um, uh, um, Would you classify Jalen Brown as such? Not on the same level. It's like there's, there's two different types of – I think I've heard this on another podcast, and I can't remember. Tell me if this makes sense, Ben, but like there's guys who um, – I guess there's, there's floor raises and ceiling raises. That's one thing. But there's guys who actually – change the way you play um and and brown ultimately is like like the team's not going to take its shape around brown um yeah personality wise i'm like oh do i love the simmons personality not so much he seems like kind of akin to tatum to me um but that's you know that's look i mean that'd give us some easy shots man (laughs) if nothing else um uh, that anyway that's that's just one thing that's gone through my mind um i kind of wanted us to look at ricky rubio with the rest with our with our trade exception mm-hmm. um that was i don't even watch him anymore i don't even know if ricky rubio is washed or not all i know is that's the that's a style of player that i i guess i like once again warts and all i love passes even if they can't shoot um I don't know, man. Like, what are you thinking, Ben? The the Rubio thing's interesting. You know, talking about the the gaps that I would like to see the team fill. Rubio is that you know that playmaking point guard, and he has some veteran savvy, and I think um, you know a breadth of experience that would really rub off well on the rest of the guys on the on the Simmons uh, Brown thing. So to your point, yeah. So Simmons is a guy that you would design an offensive scheme around. Brown is a guy who was a Swiss Army knife that fits into your pre-existing offensive scheme very well. And both archetypes have their own high value. Yeah. So I guess it depends on how willing you are to to make a big sweeping change. If Danny Angel's like, no, we don't want to do that, right? Like I wouldn't be I wouldn't be like I wouldn't be like belligerent about it. But the um I do think that a team of that would be it would certainly be a bit of regular season team. I'm like I am a hundred percent confident that's a better regular season team than the one we have. Hundred percent sure. confident of it. Um, S- Simmons, I'm telling you, man, Simmons is going to drive passing, man. Passing makes such a difference. That Sixers team when they had Ilyasova and Bellinelli and Embiid was out injured. Oh my gosh, Ben Simmons was just a force of nature, man. That team was yeah. incredible. Um, 
Anyway. Do you think you can make it work without moving Brown? Like, uh, obviously, this is from a crazy green teamer homer standpoint, but, you know, positionally, Ben Simmons replaces Kemba Walker. So, can is there an outbound Kemba Walker for Ben Simmons trade that works in a, any way? Does it have to? Does he have to? Like, re- like yeah, he replaces, but Kemba Walker is probably better suited to not be the point guard offensively anyway. I, I, I think the, the, the Brown for Simmons thing is a really interesting thought experiment. Because mm. it does potentially move the needle for both teams, right? It makes Philadelphia's roster fit way makes way more sense, right? Same mm. age, right? Um, so there's no issues there. Um, I think it significantly changes the way the Celtics play. Um, and I think it hit, like it if it's just the same old thing again. Like who cares, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I I could. I think I can see a scenario in which Philadelphia is really motivated to do something, and I think it it could like it could possibly happen if they ever talked about it. Now we're running over an hour here, Joe, so we do have to wrap this up. I want to end on a post by Larbird thirty three, and then I want to tell you a quick Larbird story. So this is a post made. What a guy. 11 hours ago by Larbird33, titled Mild Optimism as we wrap up the season. I'm not going to read the, th- the whole thing because in, in true Larbird style, it is very long, but um, <laughs> in a good way, highly recommend reading because it's all, it's all rich with substance and content. But he says, I still believe this team at full strength could rattle off 55 wins in a normal season. I stand by that. We never got to see a single game with our top seven guys healthy though. If you're grasping at some reasons for optimism, I got to admit I'm struggling, but I want to remind you of some facts. I'm going to rattle off these and then I'm going to taper off because there's, there's too much to go through. Fact number one, if you ignore Kemba's first 10 games over a three-week period, he's actually been excellent this season. Since that time frame when he's played, we've played at a 50-plus win pace and he's put up numbers that are arguably better than his prime, quote-unquote prime, years in Charlotte. COVID definitely impacted Tatum. There was a 20-game stretch prior to the All-Star break where he low-key sucked. Ignore those games and the time he missed, and we've played at a 50-win pace in his games, and based on his recent play, he appears to be back to an all-NBA superstar level again. Robert Williams continues to be a difference maker in games he started and finished where something like 10-2, and and it's very frustrating how Evan Fournier had two false starts but despite everything, the man is shooting 46%, 45%, 78% as a Celtic. And we have six seasons of evidence that he's capable of averaging 15 to 19 points per game on high efficiency and can knock down open shots. Um, Neesmith's rise. And this is where Larbird really shines. If you, if you know <laughs> Larbird, you speak to him on a regular basis. He bought super low on the Neesmith stock, like pre-draft purchasing of Neesmith stock. Neesmith's rise, we can hope, is legit. The last six games. 12 points, 5.3 rebounds, 64, 47, and 87. Shooting in 22.4 minutes per game. Now putting up very respectable season shooting splits on 45, 39, and 77 for a player who came into the league expected to be the best shooter out of college. I'm going to stop there. Uh, And he goes on to talk about how the team has always done their best work when the masses counted them out. And there's a lot more content to get through. And the comment section is also great. Thoughts on, on these sort of points of optimism there, Joe, before we wrap this up? Because I, I think Larbert makes some good points there. Yeah, yeah. But he sort of does the thing where he's like, if you take out the games where we played on a 31 pace, we're actually on a 51 <laughs> pace. You know, and it's like, uh, this is why I, 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 look, he does have a point. And, the, and 
Look, if if we were normally healthy, we would have won a lot more games. Okay. In my view, you know, there's plenty of 51 teams who are never going to win title, right? And in my view, the way the Celtics are currently constructed, that's what we would have proven to have been. Um, we simply don't have enough low-variance ways to score when it counts, and defensively, we're just not impactful. Um, that said, 51 season's still pretty entertaining. You know, like, we don't have a God-given right to win, you know, win championships all the time. And, um, and you know, like, if we win 50 games next season, I'll enjoy it. You know, I will. Um, we don't, yeah, we don't. As as fans, you know, we've got to we've got to be really grateful for what we've had. We've had like two bad seasons, three bad seasons in the last ten years. Yeah, the other seven have been epic, like great fun. To to one of Labo's points, the the thing that bothers me with the oh we haven't seen our best seven play at all is that we've definitely seen our best six and our best five play, and yeah. we weren't particularly good with them. That's so right. I don't, in my mind, as much as I love to be optimistic, and I I love to you know, um, escape with these thoughts of like, you know, we, we could have been great, we should have been great. Like, how much better would we really have been with one extra good player, with seven awesome players rather than five or six? I just think that the really good teams or even the decent teams, you know, get show who they are with, with like 75% of their roster. Yeah, they get it done. Exactly. I want to tell a quick La Bird story before we wrap this one up because um, we have gone crazy over time, but it's, it's a good good therapy session. We've gone over time and they, they haven't charged us for it, Joe. Can so I just real quick, real quick, Larry Bird, yeah. La Bird I think is right about Neesmith and he looks to me like a genuine NBA role player, which is great at the 15th. Of Boy, course. Like, yeah. Continue. How, how dare I not touch on the Neesmith thing more? That's, that's really the, the, the one point we wanted to emphasize and if not end on. Larbird33 has, um, if you've know, if you listen to this podcast, it has not been on the podcast for a little while. It's officially retired from the podcast. Right. A couple of reasons there. Uh, it seems like his life there in, in Seattle is like going back to normal and he's being asked to come back into the office and he's like just generally lot, way too busy to, um, to make time for us. And due to daylight savings, he used to come on at about 1 a.m. his time, which is about 7 p.m. our time or my time. And now that's been pushed out to like 3 or 4 a.m. So it's just not possible at all. But he's still in our, our Slack chat. He's still sending the Neesmith takes, the Tatum takes, the seven healthy men takes to us on a regular basis. And we're still talking to him regularly. And he sent me a care package in the mail the other day, Joe. And uh, was in response to a care package that I sent him a little while ago, which is something that I you know, send to anyone who sort of has tenure on this podcast. And it contained just the most insanely like thoughtful, well thought out, items um and i'm I'm not going to remember them all unfortunately despite what i just said but uh a pack of the tatum like barbecue chip ruffles which i think i I might be the sole person in australia to possess that particular packet of chips anything to declare anything to declare mr (laughs) bellis it got through it got through it did take a while i was following the the tracking he sent it to me he sent me the tracking link when he's like i sent this ages ago it's been stuck in australian customs for a long time I'm not sure if it's coming. I wanted you to know that I sent it. So here's the link. <laughs> anyway, it arrived. Uh, it contained like some Celtics clothes and some sign, like legitimately signed basketball cards. Cool, so man. a signed Ricky Davis card, a signed Doc Rivers card, and not like signed in the like the player comes into the card manufacturing place and Sign signs stickers. the cards. But like like he had met these players and they <laughs> had like pulled out a pen and signed them. And he sent me cool, those, man. which is insane. And uh, 
a bunch of other stuff, um, which I have posted on Twitter. So check it out, Twitter feed, if you want to see the, the full care package there. But just uh, in this age where the internet seems to be sort of tearing apart the fabric of society, this is just a nice, amicable exchange. He came on, he did our podcast for a little while. I feel like we're mates, even though we never met each other. And in sort of a pen pal style, we sent each other gifts through the mail. And we're just people who met each other online. So I just think that's a nice, cool, eh? well, well bookended tale. And I think he'll be that's back. I, I think he'll be back when Daylight Savings goes back to. <laughs> I hope you're right. When, man. when we're on and, and, and they're off. Yeah. I hope so. I really enjoyed potting with Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Look, that's going to do it for this one. We've gone way over time. Hopefully, if you're listening, you feel a little better about the state of the team going <laughs> forward. Although, <laughs> based on the Tatum stuff. I don't know. Hopefully you're feeling a little bit better about just the season ending and that we can sort of take a breath and uh, and wait and see what happens. Joe, thanks for coming on. Love your work, mate. Thanks again. Hey, thanks, Ben. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll still be able to sleep at night after my Tatum takes. <laughs> I'm going to be lying awake all night. Thanks to you, Joe. Uh, well, look, there's still a small chunk of season remaining. We will be back to talk about it all. Until then, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.